are listening to the Unsung Lung Podcast, presented by Alberta Lung. do we have an interesting guest for you today folks as always my name is jacob sperling and i am the host of the unsung lung podcast thank you for joining me today to talk a little about patient advocacy a little about travel and a lot about health so before we dive into everything i just wanted to make a quick disclaimer uh if i sound a little off it's because i am under the weather under the weather but i promise i will be back at it tip-top shape next month and you won't have to deal with any annoying voice (laughs) i guess so before we dive into the interview i'd just like to tell you about an amazing event that alberta lung is hosting in may If you're around Edmonton on May 5th and 6th and love pickleball or just want to try something new, consider registering for our first annual Feisty Pickles Charity Pickleball Tournament. Your participation will help support Breathing Space, Alberta Lung's home away from home for lung transplant recipients, and their caregivers. Your registration gets you snacks, beverages, medals, and just a ton of fun. So, Go to our website at www.ablung.ca if you're interested in registering for yourself or a team. Now, on to today's show. Our guest is Samantha Gardner, and she is the Director of Patient Advocacy and Outreach at Heal Mary, an organization that seeks to connect patients with clinical trial recruitment. As well, Samantha was the 2022 HSBC Women's Entrepreneurial Leader that is presented by Enactus Canada and HSBC Bank Canada. We discuss this and how she was able to become such a prominent leader at such a young age. While today's show may focus a little less on lung health, we will certainly still be discussing it. Samantha's own connection with lung health came when she was 14 and she had her first spontaneous pneumothorax. As the years went on, she kept having different problems with her lungs, but I'll let her dive more into that. So if you love patient advocacy, travel stories, and hearing about the journey of a bright young leader in Canada, this will be the episode for you. And with that, I'll send us right through to my interview with Samantha. All right. Well, I am so excited to talk about Heal Mary with a very special guest today. So welcome to the show, Samantha. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. It's going to be a really interesting show. I, I love health technology. So I uh, getting to know about your organization and, and, and the website that you guys created is going to be really incredible. So uh, Let's dive right into the first question. And I just want to get a little bit of background on you and what you love to do so our listeners can get to know you a bit. So maybe give just a short summary of who Samantha is, maybe what you did in your undergrad or uh, what you like to do outside of work, anything like that. 
Yeah, sure. So honestly, I'm a generalist in many ways. Um, I love a lot of things from travel to people to different foods, technology, art, um, and learning new skills. My undergrad was an incredible few years. I love my school, the University of Alberta in Edmonton, um, and I have a Bachelor of Commerce in Strategic Management and Business Technology. So most of my time at school, um, as many students, is spent working, studying, um, and also volunteering when I could. Um, and when I'm not working, I really love to try new foods in the city um, or try new things like pottery, which I got into last summer, um, and editing videos. That's one of my favorite hobbies as well. So yeah, just try to keep busy. Awesome. What Do you have a favorite restaurant in Edmonton, or is that too hard of a question? Oh, um, honestly, I really love Uccellino. I love Italian food or Barbarico. I don't know. Have you tried them? I think I, I've been to Barbarico. I haven't been to the first one. I, it doesn't sound like it even, I can even pronounce it. So <laughs> it's really good. Um, Barbarico's, yeah, quite similar. Um, yeah, it's a hard question. I just love trying new foods, especially from different cultures. So, yeah, it's really good. Awesome. So uh, we spoke beforehand and you told me a little about yourself. So I'm just wondering if you can tell our audience about your passion for, and this is a general question, so as best as you can do, but you mentioned that you have a passion for community and health tech and using technology to improve older adult care. So maybe just give a little bit of a basis for that and that'll help set up the whole conversation. Yeah, sure. So growing up, my family immigrated to Canada, so I didn't have a huge community here, um, and I always valued community. I saw the importance of it in work, life, and school, um, and everything we do. So since then, I've tried my best to create community with friends um, and in programs uh, or at school. So people are really the core of everything I do, even if it involves technology. And so my health tech passion grew while working for Hail Mary. When I first started, I didn't really know too much about what health tech was, um, but that also led to my passion for older adult care and technology as well. But that's a whole separate story I'll have to say for another time. But it is based on the fact that I have parents much older than me um, and I've been around many older adults growing up due to that. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. So, and kind of shifting a little bit going back. Well, I guess just a year now, but you were named the 2022 HSBC Women's Entrepreneurial Leader. So I'm wondering how you won this incredibly prestigious award, what it, what went into their decision of naming you, what, how did you, I guess, uh, prepare for, for, or not even prepare, but how did you get to a spot where you were even considered, let alone one, which is incredibly amazing. Thank you. That's so kind. Um, yeah, to be honest, I was in shock when I won, especially because at this point in time, I didn't really think of myself as an entrepreneur. And I remember being really sick and in the hospital the day that I found out. Um, and all my teammates were messaging me saying that I had to be on the Zoom call that afternoon. And they knew I wasn't feeling good. So I was like, why do you guys want me to be on this call so bad? Um, and I didn't catch on at all. Like I had no idea. 
Um, yeah, so I won through my involvement with a club on my university campus called Denactus, and I served as their vice president marketing for two years and was exposed to the greater Enactus Canada community. And the premise of the club and organization is to encourage and facilitate uh, social entrepreneurship ventures by students. So that's how I got connected to the award. That's really amazing. Uh, I, I can't even imagine how, I mean, it just sounds so incredibly prestigious like I, what were the emotions going through through your head and 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 how did you feel yeah obviously I was really happy I think yeah very much in shock I didn't think like I was like why would they pick me out of all these amazing um people so I was just very grateful and um very honored to be to be recognized by an actress in HSBC yeah, that's awesome. So your health passion for health tech, did I say your health, your passion for health technology eventually led you to the organization that you just mentioned, Heal Mary. So I'm wondering if you can tell us what the company does. Yeah, sure. So Humeri is a tool um, and it helps patients find clinical trials using natural language processing. So you can go on the website, answer a few questions, um, and it will show you what trials you may qualify for. And then you can answer a few trial specific questions to dive deeper and see if there's any criteria that maybe would disqualify you from the trial. And so from there, you can directly contact the trial site, or you can share this information with your doctor, your caregiver, uh, your family. Um, and we actually recently expanded into arthritis, spinal cord, and cystic fibrosis. We were mostly focused in oncology um, originally. And so we're addressing the gaps and barriers to patients finding trials. For example, the participation rate in oncology clinical trials is about 8% when there's a 40% interest rate. So there's a gap there. And then additionally, 80% of trials fail to meet their recruitment deadlines. So this means that new medicine may not make it to the market, not because the science necessarily, but because of the participation. So... Yeah, there's a lot going on in the space for sure. Yeah, that's incredible. So you're kind of connectors, I guess, in a sense. Uh, so so I'm wondering if you can tell us, for, for those who maybe aren't as health literate as, as others, what just on a basic sense, what a clinical trial even is. Yeah, absolutely. So clinical trials are used to validate a medical intervention. So they're used to find out if a new treatment or drug is safe for usage um, and maybe better than what is the current um, or standard of care for patients. So there's different stages of a clinical trial, often three stages or more, and they come after the lab studies known as preclinical studies. So with each phase, often the patient pool also will get larger. Um, and for some patients, clinical trials are the last option. So maybe their doctor has exhausted all treatment options for their disease, or maybe the patient is allergic or unable to receive current standard of care treatments, or they might um, want to help further science and research. So there's so many reasons why a patient may go into a clinical trial. And there's actually currently around 300,000 clinical trials happening globally right now. So yeah, a lot. That's incredibly interesting. So uh, 
sorry to throw us off our script a little bit, but do you, uh, does Heal Mary deal a lot with universities or is it like privately funded organizations like, I don't know, like a Pfizer or some medication? Is it like, is there a percentage split? Do you not deal with universities and education systems at all? How, how does that um, differentiate? Yeah, so for the trials, it's any trial really that's available. Um, so it could be from anywhere. Um, our tool goes out and scrapes for those trials. Um, and that's how we're able to present them to the patient looking for them. So it could be from from anywhere. Do And do you find Teal Mary, uh, do you reach out to universities specifically? I don't know why I'm on such a university kick, but I'm just thinking maybe it's because I'm on campus too much lately. But do you uh, do you deal a lot with universities or like the specific organizations directly in kind of facilitating a relationship or is it just your tool going out using i don't know some kind of ai and co- and uh combining all these trials into your database oh sorry i see what you mean yeah so it's both um we do sometimes work with the clinical trial site directly or it could just be um like going out and looking for trials that are just publicly available. So it's definitely a mix of, of all of that to present um, the information to the patients. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, you mentioned earlier that Heal Mary uses natural language processing, also known as NLP, uh, and that's used to translate medical jargon into plain language to make it easier for patients to understand. So why is this so important for health and well-being of the patients that use Heal Mary? Yeah, definitely. So NLP uh, is a type of artificial intelligence uh, that uses algorithms to understand and output human language. So we use NLP to do three specific things overall. The first is to take complex medical terms and turn them into plain language. So on our site, you can hover over these terms as you're looking for trials, and you can right there see the definition of them. And the second is to separate the acceptance criteria to make it easy to verify quickly if you could qualify for a specific trial. So you could fill out um, our acceptance criteria questions and just see uh, if you may or may not qualify. And the third is our recommendation engine. So making it easy to find high quality trials that meet your current uh, healthcare needs as well. So that's what we use it for. Yeah, that's really incredibly interesting. It's kind of well over my head, but <laughs> anyways, I I mean, as long as it works for for the patients, it doesn't really matter how it does. Just that it gets the job done. So, when I was browsing the Heal Mary website, uh, specifically just doing a little bit of background research myself, I played around with the clinical trial search engine, quote unquote. If I'm not sure if there's uh, a name for it, maybe you can let us know. And I found it really extremely user friendly. So, how did your team come up with that design, and what were the main facets that you your whole team believed needed to be included in the website? Oh, that's great. I'm I'm really glad that you felt that way and that you had a look as well. Um, our priority 
has been patients first. And so our focus on the user experience, the functionality, and the design has been really to keep it user-friendly. Um, so Heal Mary did a lot of patient and doctor interviews even before designing the platform. And so the product that you see now is a result of a lot of thought and collaboration between our life science team and technical team. Uh, we had to take a very we had to take very complex data and tools and find the best way to present that information in our user-facing platform. Um, and still to this day, we're constantly collecting feedback from our users, um, our team, and the different organizations we work with because we're always looking for a way to improve our technology for the patients, caregivers, and, and yeah, families that we serve. Awesome. So I'm going to go off script a little bit again. Uh, I'm I'm just wondering if seeing as though it's very health tech and online based and website based, is there any kind of face-to-face components of Heal Mary, maybe even through Zoom? Because I know obviously it's a tech technological company. So maybe there's not going to be face-to-face, like actually face-to-face and, and in the post-COVID world, we're kind of aiming more towards Zoom. So is there any I guess what I'm wondering is what does Heal Mary do besides the search engine? I understand that is the main part of it and it's incredible as it is, but is there any kind of other little facets that, that go along with the organization that you're proud of and you're proud to engage with? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So yeah, obviously the tool is the main element. We also provide educational resources and information on our social media, um, on YouTube, anywhere we can to share, you know, what is a clinical trial? Yeah, what are the most updated uh, things in clinical trials right now? What different therapies are being used? So we have that element that's kind of face-to-face, I guess, uh, People can watch videos and things like that. And then we also have a number. So you can engage with Heal Mary by calling the phone number if you're having trouble finding a trial, if you need extra support. Uh, our team is more than happy to help that way as well. So if patients, you know, look on the website and maybe want to talk to someone uh, a little bit more about support finding a trial, we can definitely do our best to help them there as well. Awesome. That, that That's really cool that you bring in kind of the human element to something that is so technologically based. So in kind of a ch- shorter question, I'm just wondering, uh, we're going on specifically what the website is and what the tool is. I'm wondering if you can tell our, our listeners what you specifically do with Heal Mary. Yeah, definitely. So I work on our partnerships primarily, but also support on other initiatives or projects when I have the chance. So I work with any nonprofits or charity organizations who may want to partner with us to get our tool out to more patients. Um, and our tool is free to use for patients and nonprofits. So it's a great, great collaboration for nonprofits since they're able to share it with their greater patient networks or caregivers. And I've worked for Hill Mary for about three years now in a few different roles from marketing to partnerships. And I'm now the director of patient advocacy and outreach. So what what does that, you, I know, obviously you just told us what it, what it deals with, but is there a specific uh, patient uh, outreach and advocacy? Does that specifically refer to something other than partnerships or like, like how, how does it, how do you bring in the patient aspect of that? 
Yeah, definitely. So, um, so outreach relates to obviously the nonprofits, the charities, or any organizations that still want to have partnerships with us, or even just engage um, on our podcast, things like that. Um, and then patient advocacy is any support on the educational resources or ways that we can support patients in understanding what's going on uh, with clinical trials. Yeah, that's really incredible to hear. So, We've talked about Heal Mary, which and it's an incredible website. I, I encourage listeners to go check it out after they listen to the episode. But obviously, this is a lung health podcast, um, and we're incredibly grateful that you're you at Hail Mary, uh, Samantha. You're partnering with us and getting the word spread more about lung health. So to tie this kind of back to lung health, because we have to talk about that eventually on the show you have your own lung health story. So I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners about that. Yes, absolutely. Um, so when I was 14, I had a sharp pain in my chest and it wouldn't go away. I was in class. I still remember. I think I was in grade nine. Um, so junior high, um, I couldn't breathe properly. And obviously like if that happens to you for the first time ever, you're thinking, you know, am I being dramatic? Do I have asthma? Did like I do something like pull a muscle? Um, you don't think that something's wrong with your lung, like severely, at least I didn't. Um, so I asked my dad to take me to the ER from school. Um, and after a few hours there, the pain actually like started to go away. So I almost left. Um since it had subsided. And just then I remember the nurse coming out and, you know, they call your name and they ask you to come to the back, like the proper room, uh, since they had a room for me. So I still thought, okay, I'm being dramatic. Like I had this pain, you know, maybe I just wasn't feeling good. It went away. Um, but the doctor said, you know, we should do an x-ray just to make sure, because there are like serious things that it could have been. So still, I'm not freaking out because the pain's pretty much gone at this point. The only thing that slightly hurt was lying down for some reason. Um, and then once the x-ray came back, the doctor confirmed that my lung was collapsed and that I needed a chest tube right away. Um, so less than an hour later, I had a chest tube put into my chest um, and I spent a few days in the hospital. Um, I ended up having another full lung collapse when I was 17. Uh, both spontaneous, so literally like out of nowhere. Um, and I was hospitalized and then a smaller one when I was 20, um, which prompted a lung surgery on my left side before the pandemic, like right before it was January 2020. Uh, so I've probably been to the hospital in my whole life around like 15, 20 times, maybe more for just like really severe pain. And sometimes it is a collapse, sometimes it isn't, but um, I just go if I'm really feeling like a sharp pain. That That is incredible to hear. I, I When I hear the word spontaneous, I think of nothing really to to show what led to that. Is that basically what that means? And that there's no, like, is it genetic at all? I don't want to dive into your family history, your family health history, of course, but uh, is they have absolutely no idea what's causing this or or how, what, what what does it look like on that front? Yeah. So um, from what we discovered, it, it's not genetic. I mean, I, I didn't even know, my family didn't even know what a spontaneous pneumothorax was uh, before this. And I don't know anyone else who's had one. Um, I've met people like here and there, 
like at the hospital and stuff who have, but not in my personal life. So it isn't like a popular thing to have for sure. Um, they did say that it could be because I'm I'm quite tall and, and slim. So potentially it's popular in that body type. Um, but other than that, they couldn't really figure out a why. And it was just something that could happen to me and probably still could at any time. So um, yeah, it's interesting for sure. Definitely. So I guess it kind of connects back to what we've spoken about on this show a lot and that lung health problems can affect anyone and at any time someone that is as healthy as can be or someone that maybe isn't but it can be spontaneous so i guess what i'm trying to get across is don't overlook lung health problems always be sure and i'm glad that you didn't leave the hospital that day and and suffer anything mm-hmm. worse um that could have happened so yeah so so you mentioned that your first episode was in grade nine then you had it again when uh, another bad one when you were 17 so how do your lung health troubles affect you today mm-hmm. yeah so i'm super grateful honestly after the surgery i feel like things have been a lot better um, I still struggle with pain on my left side often, and I don't know if that's because of nerve pain or or just, you know, some scars or um, something in there. Um, I was just in the ER in January for really severe, sharp pain. Uh, thankfully, it was nothing, but I did go get it checked out. So it can be hard to work out or do extraneous activities sometimes, just the fear, potentially, even though it wouldn't actually cause anything since they're spontaneous. Um, but I really try not to let it impact my life. So I still work out. I got back into hiking last summer or actually over COVID. So like two or three summers ago. Um, and I did a challenging day hike last summer in Banff. That was like eight hours and it was one of the hardest hikes I've ever done. So I'm trying my best, you know, it's a journey, but I know that worrying about it won't help me. If it happens, it will happen. And I have to live as if it won't, because I, there's literally nothing I can do. Like I can't, um, I can obviously stay healthy, take care of myself, but if it wants to happen, it, it will. And the surgery definitely lowered my chances. So I think, you know, just accepting that and just being grateful that I was able to get that in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I, I'm thinking of another off the cuff question. So uh, do, did ha, had these episodes, I don't know if I want to call them episodes, but lung health problems throughout the years, did that affect in any way your draw to health technology or was it kind of just a coincidence that you'd spent a lot of time in hospitals over the years and then you just ended up in health tech was there like do you draw any compare like did did it lead you there or do you draw did you draw any comparisons after the fact what's how do you view that yeah no that's a really good question i never thought about it that way um i think it's just a coincidence i will say i have more awareness and knowledge of lung health for sure obviously um and maybe about the hospital setting what it's like as a patient so i can i can empathize obviously my case is a little bit different um but yeah i think it just was a happy coincidence i guess that i somehow got into health tech and um, was able to work in that space um, and age tech as well. So yeah, they overlap a little bit. Yeah, that's that's very cool. So uh, we, we've talked about health advocacy a bit. We've talked about lung health. I'm just, I, I want to do a little bit of a fun wrap up here because you told me so much, so many interesting things beforehand, before this interview. So 
As a little bit of a fun wrap up, I want to end with a few fun facts that you shared with me about your love for travel. So you mentioned to me that in your gap year between high school and university, you traveled to places like New York, Boston, Dubai, London, Milan, and Paris. So I'm just wondering what your favorite city on your travels was, uh, and maybe if you have any fun stories that stick out to you in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So um, I did. I did a lot of traveling after high school, and it was honestly so fun. Um, I'm so glad I did that. I remember being like, should I take a gap year? My parents were, you know, you should probably go to university, but um, I'm glad that I took some time to travel and it definitely wasn't fancy but it was an incredible experience so I think New York probably is my favorite it has a very special place in my heart I went back two more times after that gap year so I've spent collectively almost a year living in New York Um, and for me a city is really made great by the people in it so I was able to connect with my family and family friends and kind of build like a mini community there there's always so much to do and see and I love how busy it keeps you and how willing everyone in the city is to go out and try something new with you Um, so it's really a great place to be and I remember for a fun story my roommate and I this was a long time ago I don't know if I would do this now but Um, It was 10 p.m. on a Saturday night, and we decided to take a bus to Washington, D.C. I'd never been there. So we booked the 12 a.m. bus the same night, like two hours later. We headed to the station, took some snacks. We spent the day in Washington, like not having slept other than on the bus there, which was like four hours. And then we took the bus home that same day. So we saw like a lot of museums. We had cupcakes. I remember we ate out. Um, And it was so spontaneous and like really fun and just, yeah, a good memory of when we, yeah, just like randomly booked the bus to Washington. So that's awesome. That's such a cool story. I'm definitely trying to be more spontaneous in my own life. It's hard to do that when you're in school, but uh, we'll see. I'll I'll get there eventually. Um, Question for you. Have you been uh, in your time in New York? Were you there during Christmas time? Because I've definitely always wanted to do that. I was. It's so fun. It's so like everyone's always going to the tree. There's so much like beauty in the city and it's not too cold, honestly, at that time, uh, especially if you're from Alberta, it's definitely not that cold. Um, Yeah. And there's like different, I think there's, I don't know if there's specific like plays or shows. There definitely is. I didn't go to them, but there's just so much going on in the city. All the stores are decorated. Um, so yeah, if you if you like that kind of stuff, then I think you'd like it there that time. That's really amazing. So as a penultimate question, as the final question, it's another travel one. I know people listening to the show are looking for more health advocacy and and lung health stuff, but we gotta gotta stray away from that sometimes. I guess I don't know. I'll, I'll say that. So, uh, I have a little bit of a selfish motivation in asking this one. So, you told me that three years ago, when your lung collapsed, I guess that's the lung health connection. When your lung collapsed, you were supposed to fly across Canada. Uh, of course, with your lung condition, you couldn't fly, so you had to take a train instead. So, I have always wanted to see Canada by train. It's kind of sort of a bucket list item for me. So, I'm wondering how the journey was for you, if you'd recommend it. I know you mentioned that it was a little, I don't remember the word you used, but uh, a little 
different? Yeah, I'll just let you explain it. How how was it? <laughs> Definitely, yeah, it was so fun. So it obviously was not the plan. I was supposed to fly to Toronto. Uh, couldn't fly obviously at that time. Um, and so I could either have driven or taken the train. Those were my options. And I never planned to take the train, but I was like, okay, let's do it. So I took my dad with me. I remember it was his birthday the day we left and I couldn't breathe super well. Like I was fine to to go on the train, but um, he was carrying all my bags and, you know, just being there for me. He's, he's awesome. Um, and we booked it only a few days before leaving. So I was literally in the hospital on oxygen and I was like arranging hotels and tickets. And I was like, I'm going to make this happen. We're going to go. Um, it's the only way to get there. It was winter, so we couldn't drive. And I really wanted to be in, to, be in Toronto for an opportunity I had there. And so the train was so beautiful. You get um, three meals if you do like the overnight option. Uh, you have a bunk bed and it's definitely something I think everyone should try once if they can. Um, at the end of the train, there's like a lounge where you can chat, you can make friends. Um, and usually people go in there at night, like after dinner. And there's a car at the top with an open window. So you can have a full view as you're in the daytime going through like trees or maybe past a lake. So we did three days to Edmonton, Edmonton to Toronto, then spent a few days here and then three days back. And I remember it was also finals for university. So I was like studying on the train. Um, but yeah, it's really magical. I think there's even shorter ones you can take like Edmonton to Vancouver, I believe. Yeah, that's awesome. You definitely made me want to go more. I, I thought they were longer. And, and can you uh, correct me? Was, do, do you take via rail? I think I'm not sure if that's the only one. I think we did. Yeah, I believe we took via rail. It might be the only one that's overnight, but I'm not sure if there's other options. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for indulging me on my travel fantasies that I can't do because of school, but I will do eventually. So, yeah, that that's really amazing. So, okay, well, uh, it has been such a treat to get to know you, Samantha, and everything that Heal Mary is doing to make our health landscape an even better one. So I'm just wondering, uh, where can people go to find out more about Heal Mary and maybe even use the service if they need to or reach out? How do, how do people get in contact uh, with, with you? Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Jacob, so much for having me um, and to the Alberta Lung Association as well. So healmary.com is probably the easiest way to find all the information about us. You can email us, you can call us on there, our number's there, or you can just directly start looking for trials. But please reach out if you have any you know, questions or need any extra support. Um, we're more than happy to, to help navigate that with you. Um, and yeah, just really appreciate you having me on here and your time as well. Yeah, of course. Perfect. So with that, I'll just send us right through to the outro. Anything health and technology related really intrigues me. My undergraduate degree at the University of Alberta was in science, technology and society. So health tech fits in really well with what I studied in university. And yeah, I think I remember taking a few medicine and technology courses maybe the history of medicine yeah i think i took the history of medicine that was a super interesting course so anything like that really kind of gets the gears going in my head and, and makes me really interested in the conversation so once again a massive thank you to samantha for coming on the show and telling us about her journey 
her work with Heal Mary, and all the incredible things that she has accomplished in her life so far. As always, I'll just bring things to a close with my final concluding points. My first is just about the ability of the Heal Mary tool, that is their website, to connect patients with clinical trials so that new kinds of medical interventions have the ability to make it to the open market and don't just fizzle out because of the trials not reaching their recruitment quotas. That is truly amazing. Being Heal Mary being able to kind of be a facilitator, being a connector uh, that wouldn't otherwise exist if uh, these patients didn't have that tool. So being a connector between the patient and the clinical trial and being able to establish that relationship that is truly needed. Another thing is just the fact that Samantha mentioned that there are currently obviously a little more or a little less than 300,000 clinical trials happening right now globally. And just to wrap your mind around that, it's kind of infallible to to think how many of these 300,000 will be able to provide life-changing medications for people suffering from all kinds of diseases, not just lung diseases, everything from various types of cancer to like uh, Samantha was mentioning that they just got onto the cystic fibrosis uh, wavelength of, of clinical trials. So it's, it's just amazing to think of how many people in the world are out there right now trying to help and making it their livelihoods of being able to make medications that can get to the open market and reach patients that are out there that are in desperate need of help. Secondly, the ability of artificial intelligence and specifically, as Samantha was mentioning, natural language processing to be able to make complex medical jargon accessible to everyday patients. So not only is Heal Mary being a connector, but they're making it understandable so that you can, yeah, you might understand that if you type in the word, I have pulmonary fibrosis, connect me to a clinical trial. These clinical trials may be extremely uh, intensive and just full of, as I just mentioned, medical jargon, not being able to understand the nuances that go into each and every clinical trial. And if you're not able to understand that, you're not able to kind of comprehend if it applies to you and if it applies to your specific situation. And we obviously know that everyone's health situation, especially in lung disease, is definitely unique to each person, whether that's socially or just actually what's happening within your body. So I think that that's an incredible facet of the tool that Heal Mary has to be able to not only just connect the patient and the clinical trial, but being able to kind of make it understandable for the patient so that they can pick the clinical trial that is best suited to their needs. Finally, I want to emphasize Samantha's spontaneous pneumothorax. The keyword is spontaneous. Lung disease and lung health problems can happen to anyone at any time. So it is so important to stay vigilant of your own respiratory health and always seek help if you think something is wrong. And that goes for everybody. That goes for listeners of the show that don't have lung disease, a lung disease, any lung disease that are just really interested in in the health and the science and everything that goes in to what Alberta lung cares so deeply about but it also goes for people that do have lung disease and need to monitor that to ensure that it's not getting worse or new developments don't happen so 
I think Samantha's case, and we haven't talked about spontaneous pneumothorax yet, but it's definitely a great case file for showing that no matter what stage of life you're in, even someone like Samantha who had never had any lung problems before, I believe she said it was grade 9 and then she got her first spontaneous pneumothorax, it can happen to anyone and you just have to stay vigilant and you have to not uh, kind of downgrade its uh, importance. Like, again, as Samantha said, she was going to leave the hospital as it was subsiding the symptoms, but she ended up staying, went to the back room, got checked out, and she basically instantly got a chest tube, which is obviously super invasive. And if she had left, who knows what could have happened. So I just remind all of our listeners, whether it's yourself or your family members, stay vigilant, stay on top of your own lung health, obviously all of your health, and just be able to kind of know, notice when things are are different and things in your body, new symptoms need attending to. As a kind of 3A final concluding point, I just wanted to recognize that we did speak a bit more about topics other than lung health today, like obviously travel at the end of the episode. So I think that it is important to remember that the guests on our show are real people. They're human beings. Even sometimes I can get caught up in speaking only about health and lung disease with our guests, but behind Every truly amazing person who works in the health industry is a person who has their own passions and hobbies, and we can't forget that or lose sight of that. Being able to kind of humanize the health industry is obviously super needed. I I, I can just think of scenarios where doctors, respiratory therapists, anyone in the health industry is taken advantage of because people just think that they're a number and they're there to help them and nothing else matters but obviously these people have lives outside of their everyday jobs of being health technicians people in the health sphere so i kind of wanted to bring that into the episode today to illustrate that the guests that we have on while lung health and health in general is incredibly important to them and myself and all of us at alberta lung we can't lose sight of the fact that they're real people and they have real hobbies and they enjoy things outside of the health uh, landscape. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that in, kind of give a little bit of an extra uh, side of who Samantha was and just being able to kind of connect uh, health and the health industry to the human aspect that it has behind it. So thanks again to Samantha for coming on and sharing her amazing career story and her lung health story. I love when we can connect so many different aspects of healthcare in just one show. Just a reminder that for additional information on anything lung health related, like radon, lung cancer, or pulmonary fibrosis, and obviously a ton of other things, (laughs) head to our website at www.ablung.ca for all kinds of information. There you can also donate to help out our cause and ensure that we can keep helping Albertans with lung disease and providing educational resources like this show to all of our listeners. Okay, perfect. So that's it for April's edition of the Unsung Lung Podcast. And with that, I'll leave you with our motto. As always, just remember to breathe.